0: Hello, this is Jay from Jay's Politics Podcast. You're listening to the Podcast 99 Internet Radio Network on Podcast99.org. Buy with Rob is your best choice when purchasing your new home in the Puget Sound area. Call 360-710-9425 today and get started on the best home buying experience you will ever have. Go to buywithrob.com today. Hello. Podcasts are verbal narcissism for ugly journalists. Hello. Can I talk to Mr. David? Dave Bowman. Approach and identify. Hello.
1: Man, Battle Stations Missile. Chief of Watch, sign the journal alarm.
0: From the Buy With Rob Studio, located in beautiful Silverdale, Washington. This is the Dave Bowman Show. Now, here is your submarine qualified, well coffied stuffy elitist history buff
1: host, Dave Bowman.
0: What is going on? fire.
1: Well, good morning, good evening, or good afternoon. Wherever you are, whatever you do, a lot of things happening in the world today. Most of them are far beyond our control, you might say. So, perhaps it's time we took a pause and thought about life and thought about the laws of gravity. Juicy Conspiracy theories, counting, politics, and or the news. Don't touch that dial, just try to hear me out for a while. Well, conspiracy theories just suck. I hate them. There's nothing wrong with questions. But when the questions become less about probabilities and more about remote possibilities, the shark gets jumped. There was a time in this country when the legal concept of jus soli was uh, pretty much it. Then the Supreme Court decided that that was not acceptable, because it would mean that people born here would automatically become citizens. They didn't want that. Here's how you get a hold of me. The text machine is area code 209-565-DAVE. That's 209-565-3283. The email is dave at thedavebowmanshow.com. And, of course, we're on the web. Just look for The Dave Bowman Show on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, whatever web browser you choose to use. We'll take you to thedavebowmanshow.com as well as podcast99.org. Either one of those will get you the show live and on demand. So if you don't want to listen now, you can listen later. See how that works. Works out well. Play low quick The greatest enemy of knowledge is not ignorance. It is the illusion of knowledge. Great Stephen Hawking once said that. Welcome aboard, my friends. Happy Monday. Whitey Bulger is dead. I just saw that newsflash. So apparently they were moving him or getting ready to move him to a federal pen for his crimes. And he then got whacked. I'll be honest, I'm surprised he made it that long. I really am. Considering the considering the type of people you're dealing with there, I'm really surprised by that. Well, the president, I, I once said this about the president a long time ago. During the 2016 election, summer 2016, I said this. I have the tape of me saying it somewhere. I don't think he'll be a great president. I don't, I don't really think he has what it takes to be a great president president but he will be an interesting president you will get up every morning and say to yourself what's he done today it's got me it's got me intrigued happy mad something along those lines it, it, not a day will go by that he won't do something that causes people to be intrigued or interested or something along those lines and of course today he has uh, he has once again done so today he has uh, informed us via Axios, which is a video news service uh, of of some, I don't want to say it has a long tradition. I mean, there's no ivy on those walls at Axios. It's a relatively new thing. Uh, but it was started by the people who run Pol- uh, Politico. And I guess the idea here is uh, just another, anyway, he sat down with them and he gave an interview. And uh, believe it or not, it's, it's not very long. I mean, this is what he had to say. This is the actual video, the actual audio of uh, of what Trump had to say. On immigration,
0: some legal scholars believe you can get rid of birthright citizenship without changing the Constitution. With you an could, executive order. Exactly. Right. Uh, have you thought about that? Yes. Tell me more. It was always told to me that you needed a constitutional amendment. Right. Guess what? Amendment. You don't. You don't. Number one, number one, you don't need that number two I mean, that's you that's very much Well, you can definitely do it with an act of Congress, but now they're saying I can do it just with an executive order. now, how ridiculous we're the only country in the world where a person comes in has a baby and the baby is essentially a citizen of the United States for eighty five years with all of those benefits it's ridiculous it's ridiculous, and it has to end. Um, have you talked about that with counsel? Yeah. I have. So, where in the process? It's too. in the process. It'll happen there's with an executive order. That's what you're talking about, right? Yes, yeah, exactly. A very interesting what I, about. I didn't think anybody but knew that, but me. I thought I was the only one. Jonathan, I thought I'm a good press. guess. Good I'm guess. Impressed.
1: Can you imagine that? He thought that he was the only one that that knew that 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 he had discussed that with counsel. Obviously, uh, Axios found out. They were probably told this. I don't think that there's. Uh, I don't. I personally don't believe that anybody ever goes into an interview with a news organization with cameras in front of it without having some previous discussion or previous ideas of what the questions are going to be. I'm, I'm, I just don't believe that. I, I know gonzo journalism and stuff like that, but as a general rule of thumb, if you want to be a respected, respected journalist and you want to get, you know, further along in your career, you don't do that because that pisses the people that you're that you're rolling off and they're likely to tell you no the next time you ask. So having been in that business myself, I know that you, uh, you agree to the questions in advance, and, and at least the topics, maybe not the specific questions, but you definitely agree to the topics. Uh, the worst one I ever had was uh, with a, a Democrat congressman who shall remain nameless, but his name was Den- it rhymes with Dennis Cardoza. Um, he wanted to come on the show and talk about chicken, of all things. Uh, chicken was a big deal in our in our district because we had Foster Farms and but he he had a list of questions and if if you deviated from those questions he would hang up on you and they were all questions about what a great job he was doing to to help the chicken industry he didn't want to talk about anything else and as, at the time that was uh, that was quite a there was a lot going on in the country that right then that that uh, the blue dog Dennis Cardoza didn't want to talk about to his constituents on the air he wanted to talk about chicken and. I told my then-producer, Heather, I felt like I needed to wash my hands when I got done. But at any rate, I I don't believe that you ever go into an interview like that without knowing the questions or at least the topics in advance. So I don't believe that Donald Trump sat down with no idea that Axios was going to bring this on him and surprise him with this, hey, have you been talking to your attorneys about uh, an executive order to end birthright citizenship? It is... uh, Of course, it's causing quite a stir this morning. Our Attorney General up here in Washington State has already announced that uh, should the President do this, he personally will immediately sue, he said we, but he meant he, will immediately sue the President and win again in court, stopping the President's executive order. It is a, it's an interesting discussion. I mean, it really is. To the turn, to the, uh. To the ter- to the point where the president says it's been discussed, and many people think that he can do that, he is in fact correct. There are numerous legal people, legal arguments, college constitutional scholars, which is a term I hate, and you know, who believe that he could do so. Question is, would it work? And why would you do it? Those are those are questions that that I'm not sure. Uh, the president has put a, a a great deal of thought into that's part of my problem with this whole thing Jus solis is a is a legal term it uh, it's kind of I was joking with pat the lawyer this morning i i'm, I'm waiting for the person to, to to start screaming about those damn jews again because it's jews solis and uh you know two words and i'm i'm sure that somebody will some white supremacist somewhere will throw up his right arm in the middle of a hitler salute and fascist salute and claim that it's the Jews again. But really, this concept of Jus Solis goes back to the ancient world. It's, uh, believe it or not, in the Bible. Well, the New Testament anyway. Oh, you didn't know that? Mm, Might want to go back and read that bit about Paul, where he's talking about his citizenship again. Um, Point being that Jus Solis is a... It's nothing new. And in fact... For most of this country's history, much of this country's history, certainly uh, in its colonial era and prior to the American Civil War, it was assumed that if you were born here, you were a citizen. Did you catch that? Before the Civil War, actually before 1857, it was assumed that if you were born here, you were a citizen of the United States once it became a country, and prior to that, you were an English citizen before that. obviously, we had some issues with the English side of this because the English weren't treating us (laughs) the way they were supposed to. uh, And that was that. But that's a separate issue. It didn't mean you weren't an English citizen. It just meant you, you got treated like the rest of us crappy English citizens that were being taxed without representation, so forth and so on. We we never really had a problem with this concept. We really didn't. In fact, Part of the debates in the Constitutional Convention were about qualifications for offices. And you'll recall that of all the offices, there's only one that has that requirement that you be natural-born citizen, and that is the presidency of the United States. You have to be a natural-born citizen, or else you cannot be president of the United States. Now, in 1787, that made a lot of sense. I personally believe it still makes a lot of sense today, but there are people who 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 feel the opposite, that maybe it's time to reevaluate that. But again, a discussion for another day. The, the idea of being born on the soil, native to the soil, to having the right of the soil, jus solis, it's Latin it means right of the soil, is is inherent. I mean, it really is. It's it's not something that's unique. It's not something that that has never been heard of. In fact, if you look at most of the world, much of the world, you will find that in the New World in particular, the Western Hemisphere, the concept of Jus Solis is very, very much in play. The dark blue countries on this little map here, which consist primarily of North America, much, if not most of South America, and a couple of countries um, in, the, in the Middle East, East Asia there, one in one in Africa, two in Africa actually. Uh, that is where the concept of jus solis is still in apply today. That is, if you are born in that country, as long as you meet a specific condition and that specific condition is, is very limited, you are considered a citizen of that country. So you can see there South America. a lot of these countries are uh, they're there. The lighter blue, the mid the mid range blue, so like Australia, South Africa, Iran, France, England, Germany, uh, Chile, those are countries that that have a modified version of jus soli. In other words, if you were born here, you're probably a citizen. But there, there's more than just the one condition that the blue countries put on it. And then you'll notice that there are a couple of countries that are very light blue. India, Pakistan. Uh, those those areas um is that bangladesh or pakistan i'm confused sometimes i feel dumb because i get it's uh i guess it's india that whole thing is india right yeah that's india okay i forgot india extends out around it's sometimes i i forget i'm pretty good at geography i have been since the seventh grade but sometimes india throws me off India is uh, one of them. Malta is not big enough to show up on this map, so it doesn't really show up that well. But those are the only two countries in the entire world that have completely eliminated the concept of Jus Solis. In other words, we don't care if you were born here. You are never, ever, ever going to be a citizen of our country unless you go through our naturalization process, if we even have one. So you get the idea here, particularly looking at the Western Hemisphere, that certainly this is a Western... I mean, it started with the Latins, the Romans, but, but it really has applied, it really has taken root in the New Hemisphere, in the in the Western Hemisphere. It's really, it's really one of those liberal values that we have always embraced, the idea that if you can get here and you can have your kids here, we're okay with that. We don't have a problem with your kids being citizens of our countries. And in fact, there was a time when this made a great deal of sense. Why? Well... In the late 1700s, when the country was first getting its, its start, when we were first really setting out on our on our path of, in the world, we were not a very populous country at all. There were just barely a few million people here, and in the contrast with the rest of the world, that was not enough people to really become any kind of powerhouse at all. Now, granted... We did not necessarily have our sights set on becoming a, a superpower powerhouse in those days and age. We basically wanted to just be left alone. And there's something to that. But there was also this idea that would eventually become the idea of manifest destiny. It wasn't there yet. But there was this idea that we had to expand, that we were going to have to, we, we needed more people. And so... Number one thing Congress did was they encouraged people to move from state to state. They didn't they didn't put any restrictions on people moving from state to state, and in fact they kind of encouraged that. They they left it in the state's arena to do things that would attract citizens, whether those were citizens from the other states or overseas. They wanted they wanted people to come here. They wanted people to be a part of this great experiment. They wanted people to come in. And they wanted them to be fruitful and multiply, and become citizens and and settle here. And there was a great deal of pride in that. They also knew that they needed more people because this is a big, big land. Remember, in 1787, nobody really even knew what was out there. I mean, we we take it for granted today that you know they'd mapped the whole thing and explored it all, and they hadn't. It's not until 1805 with the Louisiana Purchase and we send Lewis and Clark on their little journey that we begin to have any idea the vast, the, the true vastness of the North American continent. We don't, we don't have any idea at that point. I mean, we have some borders and we have some ideas. But just the incredible vastness of it, it it, it still escapes people at this point that, that we don't really understand it. But we they knew they were going to do a lot more people. You know, it's kind of. It's kind of intriguing because I uh, my vacation this year, we went to my favorite one of my favorite places, Wyoming, and you just you drive. I mean, you literally drive for two, three hours. And you might see, depending on where what part of the, the state you're in, you might see four or five cars. You might see a few people here and there. And you realize that you it takes six, seven hours to drive across this state. It's a huge state. And there's less people in that state than there are than there are in what the city of tacoma seattle for sure um it it, it, it it's a big big place we t- we we clump in, in in urban areas and so we tend to we tend to surround ourselves with those urban areas and we don't really think about how vast this land is and how much room there actually is that's why i kind of people say to me well what are we going to do when miami floods i don't know move to move west, move up. There's plenty of land here, folks. It's not, it's, you know, it's going to flood no matter what you do. So sooner or later, you're going to have to live somewhere else. People adapt. That's what they do. At any rate, we needed more people. And so Congress and the Constitutional Convention really understood the idea that they wanted people to move around. And they didn't want to put a lot of limits on that. They really didn't. They really wanted the idea of being able to move back and forth between the states, between other countries, because by doing so, they would encourage growth. And they wanted that growth. They understood that growth meant business, commerce. It meant it meant strength. It meant all of those things. And so they encouraged that. As usual, the original intent, the original ideas of things kind of gets muddied as you go into history. And by the eighteen. 18- hundreds, by 1805 with the Louisiana Purchase, and then the, the Missouri Compromise of 1820, you start running into the the big issue in this country, which is, of course, slavery. Slavery, can it be expanded? Can it not be expanded? And so Congress passes the Missouri Compromise of 1820, allowing states to be made out of the Louisiana Purchase and defining which ones can be slaves and which ones can't be slaves, and so forth and so on. And they start running into other problems. Well, Depends on how you want to look at it, I guess. They are certainly political hotbeds. The You start having African-descended people in this country who, for a variety of reasons, are no longer slaves. Some of them are freedmen. Some of them were free men when they came here. Some of them are escaped slaves. And, of course, you have an entire population of slaves. And this starts to create a lot of tension, particularly— Uh, between the abolitionist North and the the slave holding South. This is, this is not new to you. I mean, you know, this history, but do you really know it? The, the tension continues to grow. And you have this Missouri compromise. You have the compromise of 1850. You have all these, you know, we've never been more divided. That's why people were shooting at each other in Kansas in the 1850s because of slaves. Um, and, and whether or not they should be a slave state or not. At any rate, eventually you end up with this hodgepodge of laws, this hodgepodge of actions by Congress that makes it unclear as to exactly what is where and, and, and you know, where's the boundaries. We talked about Oklahoma a couple weeks ago on Constitution Thursday. Is this Indian land or is it not Indian land or did Congress forget to do that? Same thing happened back then. And you end up with a part of the country where it's not totally clear. I mean, it says it's clear, but, you know, it depends on how you look at things. And you have a gentleman there who happens to be of African descent. His name is Dred Scott, and he believes that he's a freedman because slavery is no longer legal where he now lives. He is a free man, and as a free man, he wants to exercise his privileges as a United States citizen. Now, the odd thing about this story is that if Dred Scott, if things had been left to Dred Scott himself, he probably he probably never never says anything about it. This, by the way, is, is Dred Scott. It's his wife who really pushes him, who really engages him, who really pushes him to, to pursue this legally, because he's being denied his rights as a citizen in the United States. So when people tell you that women weren't involved, you now know what to tell them. Yeah, they were behind every good man as a woman, right? That's the way it works. Eventually, he sues in court, and this thing goes through all the way the cases, and it's, you know, It's he, he loses in the lower courts, and it's this is appealed all the way up to the United States Supreme Court, where Judge Chief Justice Richard B. Tanney, one of the one of the most infamous of the, the chief justices, issues the Dred Scott ruling in 1857. Now, this is, a, this is a seminal moment in our history, and it has to do with what Trump had to say the other day or t- today. He, he basically makes three points in this ruling. The number one point that he makes, above all else, is that, quote, no one, free or slave of African descent, can be a citizen of the United States under the Constitution. Now, many people, including myself, have said through the years that this is the worst Supreme Court decision ever issued. And if you simply ended it on that note right there, it would still be right there. Taney actually writes in the decision, "No person of African descent, slave or free man, can be a citizen under the Constitution of the United States." But just to make sure that he, uh, just to make sure that he, he doubled down, tripled down on being an idiot, he also invalidated the Northwest Ordinance of 1787 and stated that in the Northwest Ordinance of 1787, there were no citizenship, no citizenship was given to people of African descent. Now, why does this matter? Well, a couple of reasons. One, the Northwest Ordinance of 1787 was passed before there was a constitution. It was passed by the Continental Congress, and the area in which Dred Scott lived would have fallen into this, this section. So he literally invalidated a law that was passed before there was a Constitution in the United States. So no one can be a citizen under the Constitution if you're of African descent. And just to make sure, even if you thought you could claim, well, not under the Constitution, no, you can't, is what he, he decided. And then just to, uh, just to put the cherry on top of it all, he actually voided the Missouri Compromise of 1820 claiming that it exceeded the powers granted by the constitution to congress this is the this is the dred scott decision of 1857 and this is again generally considered one of the worst constitu one, one of the worst supreme court decisions ever made i mean this is this is bad and it, rather than actually solving anything this actually set off a huge firestorm this decision in and of itself probably didn't start the civil war i mean you can't you can't blame that decision for that, but it certainly fed the flames. It certainly threw a little gasoline on the fire that was already burning that, was, that would soon result in, in, in nearly a million people dying for the right to own other people. There's, there's a lot wrong with that decision, and there's also an important lesson in that decision. Which is very simply that what the president said, to some degree, is correct. He said that you could you could do it two ways. You can do it through an act of Congress, or I can do it through an executive order. He's right in the sense that you could do this in birthright citizenship through an act of Congress. You could, but, and you go back to, you go back to old old Judge Tanney there, and what you discover is that. Acts of Congress can essentially be voided by the Supreme Court of the United States. That's the precedent here. It's really not the precedent in this case, but, but relying on precedent, he he invalidated two precedents, one or two laws, acts of Congress, one under the Constitution and one not under the Constitution. So he he granted a or used a very wide swath here and just really took care of all that stuff. He he voided the Compromise of eighteen twenty. And the Northwest Ordinance of seventeen eighty seven. So, you could use an act of Congress to do this. If, and again, we haven't even we're we're not even discussing the morality of it, the the wiseness of it as a policy. We're not even talking about that. We're talking about the methodology here. So, you could theoretically do that. Theoretically, Congress could do that because again, the Fourteenth Amendment. It's pretty clear in what it says, but there is always. There's always that room for interpretation. There's always that room for for vagueness, isn't there? There's always that there's always that comma phrase that <sighs> causes somebody to uh, to question it. All persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and the state wherein they reside. So what's the catch, comma and subject to the jurisdiction thereof, uncomma what does that mean where where does that come into this play where how does that help us in the, in all of this is is the issue and that's where that's kind of where it gets stuck sometimes and that's where of course the the history of all this gets mullied up is that that question about unsubject to the jurisdiction thereof and could congress pass a law redefining what that means they could Do you think that the Supreme Court would uphold that, given things? I mean, here's the precedent of our court, which is that no person of African descent, free or slave, can be a citizen of the United States. 1787's law is undone. This law is undone. We don't want people—this was the attitude—we don't want people that we don't want to be citizens to be citizens. We want to control that. We're doing away with the idea of jus solis for everyone— and only putting you know, the people we want to have at on there is, in effect, what happens. So where do we go? Stay with us. we got to take a break. We'll be right back.
0: This is the Podcast 99 Internet Radio Network. Whitey, hey Scotsman. (laughs) We're from the Ale Evangelist Show, and you are listening to the Podcast Ninety Nine Internet Radio Network. Radio Network. You are listening to the Dave Bowman Show on the Podcast Ninety Nine Internet Radio Network.
1: Welcome back, tis I, Dave. Tuesday episode, the big show. It's the Dave Bowman Show. Plausibly live if you're listening to it not live. Right here on the podcast 99 Internet Radio Network. If you want to join me? Area code 209 565 is the text machine. It's also the voicemail machine if you'd like to leave me a voicemail. Email is Dave at thedbowman show.com. Of course, we're on the web, the Dave Bowman Show.com. Facebook, Twitter, just look for the Dave Bowman Show. Even on iTunes, if you download the show, thank you. Can you also leave us a rating and a review? That would be helpful. So, just as a complete aside, let me say this uh, as well. You've noticed some changes in recent days, and things are still coming and still in the works. October this year, 2018, and we're not, we still got a day to go, two days to go, has been our best download. And watch month ever since we certainly since we moved the show uh, to Washington State, and I just wanted to say thank you for that. People are uh, people are listening, people are tuning in. They're they're doing it live. They're doing it catching up later, and that's great. I, I love that. And I'm an accountant by nature. I know I play a guy on the radio that's bad at math, but I'm an accountant. People, and I'm also a fire control technician. So um, I'm one of these people that analyzes numbers every day, and I just. Guess I'm a little surprised by some of it. But thank you. I just wanted to say thank you. Appreciate it very much. So when I, when I left you, we had we had gone through the Dred Scott ruling, and and we talked about the fact that there was a ruling made in 1857. Now we've had Supreme Court rulings before that were problematic. Uh, there was a ruling very early on Chisholm versus Georgia, which. Uh, when, when the ratification process was undergoing on the Constitution, the, the Federalists kept saying, it means, this, "It means this. It means this. It means this. It means this. It means this." And the Anti-Federalists kept saying, "Are you sure? Because that's not the way we're reading it. It's not the way I see this, it. It's not. The, it's not what I'm seeing here. It's uh, you're 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 selling us a bit of good bill of goods, is what they kept saying." And no, no. We assure you, this is what it means. This is what it is. This is what it's all about. This is what it. And and then the first course, the first case that hits the Supreme Court after the ratification of the Constitution, um, ends up saying, "No, it means that. It means exactly what the anti-federalists had said it meant all along." And that's how we actually got the Eleventh Amendment. The Eleventh Amendment of the Constitution was a reaction to Chisholm, and it was a a definitive move, a, an explicit and authentic act, as Washington said, of the American people to really define what this meant. So what this means. And so we'll rewrite this little portion here and off we will go. And from that point forward, this is what jurisdiction means. And this is what this is. And and everybody was satisfied with that. We moved on in this case, however, when Dred Scott comes around and chief justice Taney issues, his ruling, no person of African descent, be they slave or free man can be a citizen under the constitution. Northwest ordinance isn't, it didn't confer citizenship on anybody. And The Missouri Compromise of 1820 is hereby voided because it exceeded the powers granted to Congress. Uh, There was a lot of move in the country then to, you know, well, let's, let's get some legislative action here and overturn this. Let's get a constitutional amendment and overturn this. Let's do those things. But the problem was... You had a very sectionalized country at that point, north and south. You had a significant portion of the country which believed that it was defending the right to own human beings, slaves, and was willing to go to war for that, nullify and go to war. So you needed three quarters of the states to ratify an amendment. You're not going to get that. You needed the majority of Congress to to pass legislation. But remember that because slaves were now counted as three-fifths under the uh, under the Articles of Confederation and the uh, the Constitution, the South had a a it had a, a legislative power that it probably should not have had. It's just the reality of the situation, folks. I'm not commenting on the morality of it. I'm saying it created a situation where the South had more legislative authority than it should have had. So you weren't going to get legislation passed. So what ends up happening? Well, you end up with a civil war, and the purpose of that war is to defend the right to own people. Don't send me the email saying, no, Dave, it was about states' rights. Yes, the only state rat that was involved was the state right to own people. That's it. That's the only one it is. And if you don't believe me, go read the letters that they wrote. Go read the articles of secession that they wrote. Go read the actual reasons that they gave for going to war, which are almost exclusively, these people mean to take our slaves away. And we're not giving up our property. Ta da. So we end up with a civil war. 300,000 Yankees die. Nobody knows how many Confederates died, although it's somewhere probably in that 200,000 to 300,000 range. My great granddaddy, a Union cavalry trooper, is injured. My other great, 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 great granddaddy is uh, drafted. Got a sick wife and a family at home. He ends up going to war in the 40th Indiana and marching with Sherman into Atlanta. Loses his wife while he's there. It's a mess. And at the end of all this, what do we end up with? Chatroom Jeff used to ask me this because he he had gone and seen the movie Daniel Day Lewis movie Lincoln, and he he was fascinated by the fact that Lincoln was so insistent that there be a constitutional amendment outlawing slavery. And he was very concerned about why why does he want a con why is he so pushing for a constitutional amendment? I mean. In essence, he had already issued an executive order freeing the slaves, right? The Emancipation Proclamation. It didn't really do that, but it had the functionality of doing that, and it was treated as such, and that's what people assume. So if the slaves were already free, why did we need a constitutional amendment was kind of the question. And he and I had a lot of really good discussions about that. I miss I miss Jeff. I miss chat room Jeff. I talked to him a couple of weeks ago on the phone, and I, miss, I really miss Constitution Thursday, the Saturday podcast with Jeff and Pat. We had a great time doing that. But um, – and, and some of the discussions we would get into. And it, the sad part of that was we, we were doing it for radio, so we had to limit things to segments, and it <laughs> couldn't just be free-flowing like we wanted to. Anyway, the point being that the reason they needed a constitutional amendment was because an executive order can be remanded. The presidents can walk into the office on the first day, hand a, get a hand at a pen, and write an immediate executive order rescinding a previous executive order. Or changing the executive order, and Lincoln didn't want that. He wanted it permanently enshrined in our Constitution. And so we ended up with three amendments that are called the Reconstruction Amendments. The 13th Amendment, which ends slavery. There can be no argument. All of, all of Tanny's arguments go out the window at that point. See, Tanny uh, had argued that you can't be a—well, we'll come back to that one. He had argued that there had no citizenship in 1787 and that— the Congress didn't have the power to do this. Well, 13th Amendment pretty much did away with that. It's just, yeah, they do. And there ain't nothing you can do about it. So in essence, the 13th Amendment and eventually the 14th Amendment and to a lesser degree, but still the 15th Amendment are actual. Legislative actions and, and authentic and explicit acts of the American people to overturn a Supreme Court decision. Some years ago, 2016, I think it was, uh, who was that idiot that did that? Huckabee. Huckabee made some comment about, well, Dred Scott is still the law of the land. And, And what he was implying was that Dred Scott had never been overturned by the court, but he's wrong. He was completely wrong then, and it showed a complete ignorance on his part that just really nauseated me. He didn't understand that. The purpose of the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments was to overturn all of Dred Scott. All of Dred Scott was erased, eradicated, just like Chisholm had been overturned by the 11th Amendment. Explicit, authentic acts of the American people, which defined what we want them to be. But then you get into this 14th Amendment thing again, and it's all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. So now we come to today where President Trump as I said he's not going to be a great president but he is going to be an interesting president has told us that he's going to write an executive order ending the concept of jus soli that is the idea of birthright citizenship. He's going to do this. Now again I'm not going to tell you that he's completely wrong because he's not. There is a great deal of argument in the legal community as to whether or not this is doable or not. And really, what side of that line you come down on says more about your politics than it does your understanding of the argument. It really I'm I'm hate to break that to you, but it's reality. We tend to we tend to we tend to listen to the echo chamber. And I realize that as a conservative chat show host, I'm supposed to sit here and tell you, yes, this is great. We're going to end birthright citizenship. We're going to stop that. We're gonna, I'm so excited I'm sloshing my coffee around. We're going to do all of these things. And, and by God, we're going to make this. We're going to take this country back and make America great again. That's what I'm supposed to tell you. But I'm not so sure it's that simple. Is it possible? Well, it's possible. Is it probable? No, it's not. Let's say that the president issues his executive order ending jus soli. The, the idea of birthright citizenship, the, the right of the land. He says no more of that. Just the fact that you're born here does not make you a citizen. This, of course, is going to go to the courts, where it'll be immediately challenged, probably the state of Washington. Although I have no idea why we're in the forefront of all this. But, but somehow or another, we end up there because our attorney general is probably running for president someday. And so he needs his name in the paper. And this lawsuit goes and works its way through probably the Ninth Circuit. The Ninth Circuit, of course, is going to immediately strike down the president's executive order saying this is not constitutional. The attorney general of the United States will appeal it up and eventually it'll make its way to the Supreme Court, where the Supreme Court will be asked to decide. Can the president end Jusselet via executive order? Now, again... Whether you think he should or should not, whether you think he can or cannot, is not really the argument here. It's For me, it's not. I, 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 I realize, again, I'm supposed to be cheerleading and all that, and I'm not going to do that, because I have a problem with this in a broader spectrum. We, the people of the United States, ratified, we presented, we introduced VR legislators, Our legislators debated it, they passed it, they sent it to the states, and three-quarters of the states ratified, and eventually pretty much all the states uh, eventually ratified the 14th Amendment. With the current understanding that we had, that people who were born here, Jusole, are citizens of the United States. That had been our tradition prior to Dred Scott, we had believed that. And I suspect that the vast majority of Americans believed that after Dred Scott, even though Dred Scott tried to tell us no. Judge Taney, I guess I should say, because Dred Scott really didn't tell us that. The case did. We sort of went with it, and we sort of didn't go, and we just sort of didn't pay attention to it until the 19th, well, the late 1890s, when a guy by the name of Wong Kim Ark, that's him right there. Wong Kim Ark was the child of Chinese immigrants who had come to America to work in the uh, railroads and businesses of, of the of the great west in california and wong while they were here working probably almost as slave labor they had this son wong kim ark now i'm not going to tell you the whole story of wong kim ark is it's really i just want you to get the gist of what's going on here eventually as an adult wong kim ark decided that he wanted to exercise the citizens the privileges and immunities and of a citizen in the united states and he was told no Your parents are not legal. Your parents are not citizens. You are not a citizen. So he sued for them. He sued for that. Sorry. Uh, Sometimes I forget what I'm doing here. So let me, let me. Hang on just a sec. I know, I know, I know. The audio cut out because I forgot to add this. I forgot to add the input there when I was talking about Juan Kim Ark. Sorry, so let me back up here just a second. Now that I've got the audio in there. I'm still learning this software, folks. I really am. I, I love it, but I'm still learning it. So Juan Kim Ark, there. He is. Uh, he's born in the United States to parents who are immigrants working in the presumably, I guess, the railroads. It could have been the gold fields. Who knows? They're in California working. He's born, and eventually, as an adult. He wants to become and enjoy the privileges and immunities of, of a citizen in the United States. Jus he was born here. He's told he can't. He files a lawsuit. It goes all the way to the Supreme Court of the United States. And the Supreme Court of the United States rules that as long as, now again, we talked about, all the way back here, we talked about uh, Jus Solé with some limits, and these blue countries have very little limits on this, and we are the United States. The, the, really, the only limit we have on jus soleil, if you're born here, is that your parents are subject to our jurisdiction. Meaning that if they are not in the employment of or working for a foreign government, they are under our jurisdiction. Remember that if a, if a diplomat gets into trouble, what happens? We can't really do anything to them, and they get sent back. The only thing we can really do is send them back to their country. So they're not really under our jurisdiction. But anybody who would be under our jurisdiction, subject to our laws and those sorts of things, they are. And so any child that they would have would be considered born here, birthright citizenship, jus soleil, just like the Apostle Paul. And they would be subject and beneficiaries of those rights and privileges, right? That's Kim Wong's argument and that's what the Supreme Court finds in 1898 they decide that anyone born here subject to the conditions of the 14th amendment the limitation that you're you're subject to our jurisdiction you are a citizen of the United States of America. Well, that has been the assumption. That has been the that has been the precedent since 1898. That has been the way of it, that we have seen things here in this country. Now, again, there's a great deal of argument. The Chinese immigrants who came here in the 1800s and 1880s and 1890s to build our railroads were useful. And for the most part, they were brought here by you know various uh, entities within the United States. They were not necessarily immigrating by themselves here. They were uh, they were kind of brought here in some ways. Uh, but then we had the braceros from from Mexico coming into the country and working and then going home. And, and we've had you know various influxes, the Irish and and so forth and so on. And it's been, but it's only been since the 1990s really that this argument about the anchor baby has really become a flashpoint i know it seems like it should have gone long bad but but it, but it really it really is the 1990s where the arguments start happening about well we shouldn't allow anchor babies we shouldn't allow people to just cross our borders illegally and have a baby and that baby then becomes a citizen and gets all the all the advantage and that's what the president says he says it's ridiculous that they can come here be born and for 85 years have all of our privileges and immunities and and benefits and all of that so there's that morality argument there's that political argument but back to the legal argument here is where I really want to focus again maybe you're you know maybe you're of the opinion that Juset is wrong maybe you're of the opinion that it's right really not my issue here my issue comes down to one thing and one thing only we have a 14th Amendment we have a Supreme Court. We have a series of Supreme Court decisions, starting with Ark, uh, that, or sorry, Wong, that uh, that really solidify that idea of jus soli here. That as long as you are not here representing a foreign government, a foreign power, and you are born here, you are a citizen of the United States. And we've we've lived with that decision for more than a hundred years. We've accepted that. As reality. So. Do we really want to live in a country where a president. Be he Donald Trump or Barack Obama. Be he Ronald Reagan or Jimmy Carter. Be he George W. Bush. Or Lyndon Baines Johnson. Or Hillary Clinton. Or Cory Booker. Or. Kamala Harris is actually reasonably believing that they can just change things that are Supreme Court presidents by the use of an executive order. Do you really want to live in that kind of country? I don't really care if you're a huge fan of Trump or not. I really don't. I don't care if you're a huge fan of Obama or not. Do you really want to live in a country where the president of the United States can overturn 100 years of precedent simply with the stroke of his pen? And no legislative activity, no authentic or explicit act of the American people whatsoever. I have deep concerns about that. Even Charles Krauthammer, who I am not a huge fan of, I'd be honest with you, I was never a huge fan of Charles Krauthammer, but there's some reasons why. I've told you this before. I'd get along better with people I don't agree with than people I do agree with. Um, But Charles Krauthammer said, birthright citizenship is a symptom, not a cause. If you regain control of the border the number of birthright babies fades into insignificance. The time and energy it would take to amend the Constitution, which is what you would have to do, are far more usefully deployed securing the border. The president could do this by executive order, but I believe that that executive order will be struck down by the courts. I I firmly believe that. I believe that it will be, uh, I was talking with Pat the lawyer this morning, minimum 5-4, probably 7-2, most likely 6-3. It will be struck down by the Supreme Court of the United States. Why? Because the president of Wong these people are not coming here as representatives of foreign governments. Therefore, under the conditions that we set a hundred plus years ago, they meet the criteria, and there's no no clear political will to undo that. I'm sorry, there isn't. You you can't point to this and say 50 58 percent of the people think we should. You can okay your polls, but your polls don't mean anything. Nobody's voted on this. Nobody has said this is the authentic and explicit will of the American people. You see what I'm driving at there. Until we have that, which would take the form of a uh, a uh, constitutional amendment passed by two thirds of Congress, ratified by three quarters of the states, you really don't have that. You have a concept, but you don't have you don't have it in reality. And so, what ends up happening is the executive order is struck down, and we're right back to square one again and, boy, in some ways it kind of becomes 1858 all over again, doesn't it? You you essentially have an impasse between the people who want something and the people who oppose that. And how do you resolve that now? This time it's not sectarian. In other words, it's not north versus south, east versus west. It's not black versus white. It's not even brown versus everybody else. Now it becomes this gigantic purple blob of people that you know maybe my neighbor is for it maybe i'm again it maybe i'm again it my neighbor's for it are we really going to have a civil war on my street you know how do you define those borders and boundaries it would be difficult i think the per i personally believe the president is unwise to do this he's wading into waters that uh, again I also believe that the the less you actually intend to do about something, the more you need to talk about it. I, I think the president understands that very well. And so here we are days before the midterm elections, and he's talking loud and long about things that he really probably has no intention of doing anything about. But it influences voters, right? It's kind of the way I'm looking at it. How are you looking at it? Area code 209-565-DAVE is the text machine. It's also the email, the the voicemail machine. The email is dave at show.com. You can get me there. You can comment, Facebook, Twitter, iTunes. You can leave me a rating and a review. All those kind of things will get you to me, and uh, you can let me know what you think about all of this. It would be uh, intriguing to know. I enjoy communicating with you. I enjoy hearing what you have to say about things, and I enjoyed doing the show. I didn't mean for this to be Constitution Thursday. I really didn't, but I guess we didn't even get to the conspiracy things. I've been dying to talk about Sayak and his conspiracy theories for days I haven't gotten there, so. Sorry about the audio cut-out cutout look because I did fix that. And it's just one of those things I forgot to do. So many little steps you gotta follow, and there you go. So anyway, there's Constitution Thursday on a Monday, right? What do you think? 565-Dave 565 3283 Email dave at the dave Bowman show.com. I got to get running. Take the time right now. Tell the people that matter in your life you love them very much. You'd miss them if they weren't there, so don't pass up those opportunities. You don't want to have that regret. Plausibly live, I'm Dave Bowman, and this is my show, The Dave Bowman Show, right here on the Podcast 99 Internet Radio Network. We'll be back tomorrow. We're here every Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific. We'll be back tomorrow for a Wednesday episode. Hopefully, I'll get to conspiracy theories. We'll see. Uh, when that happens. All right. Have a great day, everybody, and we will see you tomorrow.
0: The Bowman Show is a Slippery Fish Entertainment production for the Podcast 99 Internet Radio Network. For more information or to complain about how the show offended you, the text or voicemail number is 209-565-DAVE. For more information about the show, log on to the Dave Show.com.
1: Hey, I'm going to go do something productive. I'm going to go watch television.